I wanted to do hood rat stuff for my friend. Well, you're sorry, hugging me. It doesn't matter what your name is. Monday, October 25th, episode 120 of The Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. Tweeted it out. Give me Dwight, I'd say about minus 800, between minus 600, minus 800, right? Like Dwight AD, those are Tyson odds. If they were to actually square up and fight, I think 50 said it best. You shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house. And if you got a glass jaw, you should watch your mouth. Anthony Davis. Apparently it was squashy. You know, we're, we're, us fans were like to make a lot about something, even when it's nothing, right? But you saw the little tussle. AD tried to hem up Dwight, and then Dwight flopped, right? Dwight went down like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think he's savvy enough to understand, you know, he'll, he'll be off the squad real quick if it really was something serious. But it was just funny to see AD try to hulk up, right? When he has a hard time just standing on two feet on the court for most of the game. But, you know, this Laker team finally gets a win last night, barely against the Memphis Grizzlies. You had to get Olympic mellow last night. What do you have, seven threes? Super efficient, banging them down. And like, that's, it was funny because watching Mello in that performance last night, and he's been good for the last couple of years, right? Ever since really he went to Portland, he's become much more efficient off the ball. But, uh, you know, that was the vision for Mello. It was like, all right, this is the the final phase of his career is a spot-up three-point shooter, and now he's, he's become pretty prolific. But, you know, the reality of this Lakers team is, is, and the reason why it's kind of fun to dig at the fans is because the arrogance of a lot of Laker Nation was like, oh, man, it's over. It's a wrap. Like, to be honest with you, it, the roster looks like a 10-year-old put it together on 2K. It, it, it don't make no sense. But they get their first win. I saw a very interesting stat from Kirk. Goldsberry, I believe his name is, the stat dude. Uh, Sprawlball, I believe, is his book, um, NBA Analytics. And he, it, the stat was just showing how much, how much more LeBron is settling from the perimeter. He's shooting the ball better from three, but he's pretty much just been a jump shooter. And maybe that's just him getting his legs under him, right? And maybe this is just the final phase of LeBron. And he doesn't, because what you do notice is when he does get downhill, he's powerful and he has that spin move. But it's not nearly as explosive, especially vertically, right? Like guys aren't as afraid to get in his way and kind of challenge him and take that bump. But, you know, being the king, he's going to get that block charge call, I'd say, 85, 90 percent of the time. Did you see Joel Embiid address the Sixers crowd talking about Ben still our brother? On behalf of my teammates, all myself, I'm Swanson, thank you for your support uh, for all these years, uh, and then now, and, uh, you know, a lot that's happened the last few months, and I want you guys to continue to support us and our teammate, man, because it's still our brother. Let's go! To me, I was like, man, how did they get Joel to do that? They must have told Joel, like, look, we'll get a better player back if you tell them this. Like, if we can convince Ben to come play, we'll get somebody better back, so just do it. I think, really, the bridges have been burned between those two in particular. Have y'all seen the Sacramento Kings and Davion Mitchell yet? 
putting the clamps on Donovan Mitchell? When was it? I think Friday night. You seen the stat line? He's he's clamping up guards, right? Didn't do it to Steph last night, but look, man, it was it was obvious. It was obvious, and it's too early to try to start to take victory laps on rookies and stuff like that. But this is one where it was like, okay, so what? He's twenty three. His lateral quickness, his strength, his IQ. He's going to be a nightmare defensively, and sure enough, that's what he's been thus far. I'll talk a little more Kings later. Young players take notice, right? He didn't clamp Steph up last night, and he acknowledged himself like, yo, Steph Steph is a different type of beast, right? He's a different monster. Not in just the fact that, you know, he's probably the MVP through a week of the season, but the fact that he moves and plays off ball. It neutralizes a lockdown defender like that. And that's kind of what you saw. He, he took his he took his shots on him, but he wasn't that wasn't the story of that game. What I'd like to do is give a very early rookie report here. Again, we can't. It really takes like here's one for instance. Ja Morant looks like a dark horse MVP through the first week of the season. And again, we got a long ways to go, right? So these are kind of outrageous statements at this point, but. Those of you that have been following me for a while, especially my patrons, some of the live streams and draft stuff we've done, you can remember. What was it? This is year three now for Ja, right? You can remember that draft class. I was like, yo, I'm taking Ja over Zion. I'm taking Ja over Zion because of what's happened now with Zion, right? And I don't want to keep talking about Zion in the wait. And the, I, look, I don't want to turn on TLC one evening and see Zion on a forklift. I don't understand how the Pelicans have let it get this far. They know he had a broken foot in surgery. I'm checking up on dude every day. I'm sending the trainer, the nutritionist to the crib every day. Where they just like go like a couple weeks without seeing him and they're like, damn, Uh, this shit's crazy. But anyway, back to the point is that it takes two or three years really to flush these things out. And sometimes even longer as far as like if we're going to have Oh, this, you know, this player at five, this player at seven, all that stuff, right? So it takes a while, but here's the very early rookie report for those of you that haven't caught some of these kids. I want to start with Evan Mobley because Summer League, I didn't like what I saw. He he looked timid. He looked weak. He looked meek, you know, and he was just, uh, it, it was ugly. But now through what, three or four games, he's putting up 15, listen to this stat line, 15 points, eight boards, three assists, two blocks, and a steal. Now, Cleveland's playing him 30-plus minutes. He's doing this at 56% from the field. Now, the three-ball ain't there yet, 25%. But, yeah, if if you want to have a knee-jerk reaction, he looks like a young Anthony Davis, and he looks like the rookie of the year. If he's going to get all those minutes, even amongst those two other seven-footers, that's what's kind of impressive about the numbers um, because you would have thought it would have been kind of a backlogged front court. Scotty Barnes out in Toronto, 18-10. and 52% from the field, now 20% from three. You're seeing all the rookies struggle, I think, with the NBA three-point line. I think just when, especially too, when they're adjusting to the speed and physicality of the game, that long-range shot is going to be affected. But Scotty Barnes is my pick for rookie of the year. But I I do think that if Siakam returns, that could throw a wrench in it, right? Because he'll eat a lot of that role in minutes, but he's a ways away. So, but Barnes looks as advertised. they, They had him on Luka the other night. And his athleticism, I think the key for him is let's monitor the free throws. 75% right now, and it's very early, obviously, but the way he plays, the way he gets to the rim and how active he is, he's got to be around 75, 80% to really fill the stat sheet and get some of that offense because the three ball is a ways away, right? And then speaking of the three ball, Jalen Green, 
has had a very rough start. I don't know what his averages are now after last night because he finally had a big game, but going into yesterday evening's game against the Celtics, he was averaging nine points and three boards, 18% from three, right? And he hadn't shot a free throw. And so through those two games, no free throws, that let me know that he ain't really feeling the physicality. We all know he has God-level bounce, but he is 185 pounds soaking wet. So he's going to have to get stronger. Yesterday, he goes off, though. He hits eight threes, goes for 30 against the Celtics. I'm just curious to see with Jalen. I think he's a lot of people's kind of odds-on favorite for rookie of the year. Let's see what happens as the league adjusts. They're going to start running him off the three-point line. He's prolific, that elevation. Good luck with it, right? He, he can shoot contested shots with, with that elevation. But as, as teams start to run him off the three-point line, let's see how he gets to the line and how he handles contact getting downhill. That, that's, that's what I have my eye on as far as Jalen Green goes. But yeah, man, the rookies have been fun. They've looked good so far. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep checking in with them. Uh, very early returns, right? I had here in my notes, again, the Pelicans starting 0-3. And I had said this a couple of weeks ago, just blow the whole thing up. Blow the whole thing up. I got a trade for you later with them. But yeah, they're one of the more disappointing teams. Everybody's eating off them. Already got my Zion joke off, right? The Clippers 0-2. And, you know, I, Paul George, what is he averaging 40? He's doing everything they asked for. I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's interesting because you hear that Kawhi will be ready before the playoffs because I guess it was a, it was a less severe ACL surgery. I don't know. I don't know. But they say he's going to be ready. But I, I just wonder if Kawhi takes a look at where they're sitting in the West when he's ready. And he's like, ah, I think I'm going to take the year off. I think I'm going to stay in the studio. You know, so I, we'll see. We'll see. It gets, it's too early. These starts, you know, but we got to talk about them because that's what it is. Again, Memphis off to a two and one start. Almost caught the Lakers slipping last night. Ja, like I said, right now he's got to be in the MVP conversation. He's shooting the ball a lot. He's shooting the ball a lot. But something I noticed about the Laker game last night, all these fake rappers and real rappers and celebrities courtside is I think Memphis is going to become a team that is a fan favorite that people want to come see. Like, Jaws so spectacular, people are going to go on the road to come see Memphis. And that says something, man. He is. He, he's, he's, he's crazy. But they're rolling out a three-guard lineup, right, because Dylan Brooks is out. So they've got De'Anthony Melton. Um, and then what's the kid, Desmond Bain? Was he at TCU, the big, strong shooter? And so that makes them more dynamic, more shooting. Jaron Jackson is finally healthy. You know what I didn't realize about Jaron Jackson? He is an awful rebounder. The kid's seven foot. I get that he plays out on the perimeter and shoots threes, but he rebounds like three or four rebounds a game. That's unacceptable to me, especially if he's, you're paying him $100 million. But yeah, Memphis looks like they're going to be right back in the mix in the playoffs this season on the back of Ja. Did you hear the story now that is starting to unfold in Phoenix? They're trying to get Robert Sarver on some John Gruden shit. Like some sort of, I, I don't know the details yet. I don't think they're out, but. They're saying there's enough evidence to get him out as the owner of the Phoenix Suns. And so the Super Bowl hangover is real. Just ask the Kansas City Chiefs this year, right? And I think it carries over to other sports if you look at the stats of it. And, and what I mean is, is the team that loses the championship the next season, they, they, a lot of the time they have a rough season. Look at the heat a year ago. And so there's that aspect of it. You got DeAndre Ayton out there. Who's dogging it? And the way you can tell is, look at his rebounds. I know he showed up against the Lakers and because that was internal motivation. That was, that was some pride shit and to show him matching up against AD, right? But three rebounds, six rebounds, like 
that's how you monitor if he's dogging it or not. And then you throw in the, the wrench of this ownership stuff. So the Suns could be in some disarray here and also have a NBA Finals hangover. Nets and Hornets Sunday afternoon was a good one. Watching Durant point KD. You see this? I've never seen KD distribute the ball this much, as well as attack and get to the rim. I mean, maybe in his younger days he did, but it's been years since I've seen KD really look to get to the rim like that. And the thing is, with his size, you see him make these entry passes into the paint um, that just guards can't make, right? He can see over the entire defense, and he has the ability to make some some incredible passes. And he's doing it all, man. He's doing it all. I was watching Charlotte, though. That Carolina blue it makes everybody look smaller, right? For some reason on the TV, they all looked smaller of, of like size. But you saw Miles Bridges go off. And I'll tell you what, if you're playing Charlotte, you got to watch your head in transition. You got to watch your head. We all know Miles has bounce. You got Oubre in there. Lamella will get up on you. Hoopers know, right? Like if you're kind of backpedaling, that's when you get caught, right? You're kind of backpedaling and then you think you're going to go up and, and get a hand and contest. That's when you get blammed on. So you got to watch your head. They're a fun, exciting team. Um, Ish Smith. Closed the deal for them while LaMelo watched on the bench last night. I should say yesterday afternoon. And I like that. I really like Scott Borrego as a coach. Is that his first name? I know his last name is Borrego, but I like that because the unwritten rule that your star has to come back in, I, I, you know, it's, I don't know, man. I, I don't get it. I think part of it is that LaMelo's young, right? But what was cool is you saw Melo on the bench. He's a hooper. He got it. Like Ish was killing him. He was, he was tearing him up. He's a terror with his, uh, penetration and quickness. And then if the jumper's going, it's a problem. And so I think that Charlotte has good chemistry. I don't know if they have enough ball movers. They have a lot of guys that like to score the basketball. But Harden, you know, continued to struggle. And Steve Nash, after the game, he came out and he said, look, I think that Harden has unfairly become the poster boy for not calling these fouls, right? Because that's when you think of the new rule changes of uh, irregular movements and baiting defenders into fouls, right? The first person that comes to mind is James Harden. And so Nash feels like they're making a point with him early in the season. It kind of looks like they are. He, he kind of isn't getting any calls. But what I see is a dude that has no explosiveness or uh, downhill. And so he's not drawing that contact. But look, the reality is, is James, he's going to find another way to exploit the defender. And he'll hit the threes. But, you know, I guess the word is that the, the Nets are taking calls on Kyrie. I don't know how that would work or where it would work. but. They don't have enough as constructed. We talked about it on the first episode a bit about, you know, how they're relying on some old guys. You saw Blake Griffin already missing a game. He looked, what, he looked like he was getting ready to lay some drywall last night. Did you see him in the doo-doo brown dicky suit? Jay-Z courtside, some perky breasts in his white tee. Jay-Z looking a little husky. All right, all right, I'm getting off track here. Warriors-Kings last night. Obviously, I'll have the full breakdown this afternoon on the patron. What I will say is, you saw the impact that GP2 had. Gary Payton, the second, had played in place of Andre Iguodala in Sacramento. Not heavy minutes, but super effective minutes. Kept De'Aaron Fox under wraps. Davion Mitchell, at a certain point, was cooking in that game. And this is what good teams do, right? They have role players that can step up and be ready in specific matchups. When you have depth like that, right, where it's like, oh, this is a GP2 game. You got all those guards, Halliburton, Mitchell, Fox, right? This is a game that he could fit in and, and work rather than, say, the rookie Moses Moody, where if we needed more shooting. And so it's good to see Kerr be dynamic 
and Gary make an impact in really his kind of debut of the season. They had been subbing him in at the end of quarters and stuff like that. But the team is deep, man. You got Wilt Jr. out there rebounding the shit out of the ball. And uh, yeah, man, it was another good win. The Warriors 3-0 and to start the season. It feels good, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. But I like the Kings. I do. I like the Kings. What I've noticed, and again, super early returns is, to me, they look their best with Davion and Halliburton in the backcourt. I'm not saying you actively shop De'Aaron Fox, but could he be had? Could that be, if something were to arise, a player were to become available that would balance out your roster? For instance, I've been hollering for New Orleans to blow it up. What if you could get Zion? or Brandon Ingram with the package of De'Aaron Fox and stuff. De'Aaron's kind of a polarizing guy. He's already got his money. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I like, I like the Kings. Their defense looks a lot better. It looks a lot better. And you hear Davion is it's a culture setter. I think he's changing the culture defensively. Harrison Barnes looks like he's in his prime. And the Kings look like they're going to, at the very least, be hovering around that play-in game. This is the Hezzy, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.